Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective, a very special show tonight. And we'll have uh, Kyle from the Grange Barber joining us momentarily. And uh, right now, driving back from his beach house is Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you? I hear you, Dave. <laughs> After I just clarified that, uh, it's my in-law's beach house, but I'm doing fine. Uh, just... I'm between Whiteville and Laurenburg. All right. Well, keep it between the lines and uh, stay safe with us right now. Also, a friend for a long time and glad to have him making his debut on the podcast, the sports, sports director for WCTI, Channel 12 out of New Bern, Brian North. How are you, sir? Dave, I'm doing good, and I apologize. I got the COVID hair, don't care. Uh, I got the vacation beard going. I just started my, my annual summer two-week vacation, so I always like to get some good i'm the only idiot who gets a summer growth going in the hottest months but uh so yeah i'm 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 full caveman mode right now but so i hope i'm not offending any of your viewers uh such so i'm trying to keep the computer away from me a little bit so they don't have to see the up close ugliness that, uh, that i got going these days hey i have a face for radio that's why i'm not a tv guy but all of us we were just talking uh before our show we had a pre-meeting with brian and i did about uh the new technology so you have to embrace the new technology you know i was thinking brian it's a new shirt I was supposed to wear a solid. I didn't wear a solid. I was thinking about all the TV stuff. I'm breaking all the rules. Right, uh, right. So anyway, we're going to have a good time tonight, and I appreciate you joining us. By the way, folks, uh, for personal reasons, Lamont Chapel had to uh, cancel tonight, reschedule for next Tuesday night, so we'll have him on, and we're thinking about you, Lamont, uh, during this time. And uh, But, Brian, we have you. Obviously, appreciate you joining us, and obviously, we're, you were on the show in the second half of the show. We bumped you up to the first guest, so diverse and only guest tonight we, we appreciate it so much i'll take it you know look uh you know lou Gehrig had to wait for wally pip so to to get sick so i'm i'm ready i'm good to go yeah put me in coach right <laughs> he's he's ready to play wanted to have you on lots to talk about in uh pirate nation and uh, sports in general um there's so much to talk about we could do a show for hours i know that you're uh, married and have a kid so uh <laughs> you don't have time to do that um, but first of all, how are you doing personally with everything going on with COVID? And and uh, I want to talk about the new set to it, uh, WCTI. I was really impressed with it. Yeah, well, as you know, you know, uh, some people may or may not know our station was flooded out in uh, during Hurricane Florence almost two years ago. And, and we've just been kind of begging, borrowing, stealing, we'll do whatever we can to put on a broadcast. And we were live in the field for a while until we got a temporary studio out Souter Station. Then we cleaned out one little area and we were there for a while. We finally are just getting back into our studio. It's still not complete yet, but it's finally a, a, a version of what it will look like permanently, as permanent as TV can be. So so it's been a wild couple of years for us. And then you throw in the COVID this year and, and how crazy that's been. And and so that's changed all of our schedules around. I, I'm, I'm really not covering sports. I've been in this game since 1992, and I've never gone this long without putting a camera on my shoulder or covering a game. So that's been a really big adjustment, and I think we're kind of all learning as we go. And and so the COVID thing has been interesting. So not only from a covering sports dynamic, 
but also from a working dynamic. You know, I'm also one of those rare people who also is a news anchor, full-time news anchor and full-time sports guy. And so they are keeping us at distance in the station. They only want a few people in there at a time. So we have a lot of people teleworking, including our anchors. So we work in shifts. We have three main anchors. And so somebody will go in and anchor what we call the 90 from 5 to 6.30. And the other two anchors are at home proofing scripts. And the next anchor comes in and does the Fox and the 11. And then the third anchor comes in. And so we work this this three-person rotation. So I'm only going into the studio, you know, only a third of the of the time. And that's been that's been different, but I well I wasn't sure I was going to like it. But don't tell my bosses. But I've kind of liked it a little bit. It's it's uh, it's been a nice break for me. And, and I say nice, and, and with all due respect to all those dealing with with the COVID and 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 all the health issues. But for me personally, it's been a nice break with a a toddler at home who uh, is basically a terrorist and and you know keeps us on our toes the whole time. And, uh, she is great, uh, and I've got to spend a lot more time with her in these in these formative years, and that's been really nice. and And so it's it's been a, a nice mental break in that sense. But you know, I think we all kind of want to get back to it. And then then with all the everything that's been going on the last few days, the last week with with the rioting and and how it's touched Eastern North Carolina, and um and that's kind of taken our minds off the COVID. It's almost like everybody forgot it, and now we're trying to cover all this. So it's been weird. Now it's been a really weird year. One of those we'll be talking out about for a long time, but. Um, the summertime months are generally a little slow with sports anyways. It's going to give us time to hopefully, hopefully figure things out going into the fall and see what we can. And we all want sports. It's just a matter of, is it the safe and right thing to do? And, and I think we're still all trying to figure that out. Some of us, you know, think sports would be a good thing. It's just, how do you cover it? And if one person gets sick, one person uh, dies from it, uh, that was caused by sporting events or getting together be a tragic thing. And I don't think any of us want it to happen. So we're just trying to figure out the best way to go forward. Hey, Brian, before we dive into some more sports topics, um, that's what I know uh, here recently within the last week and a half, two weeks or so, Brian Bailey, of course, the veteran member of the sports media in Eastern North Carolina, uh, so long at WNCT. I know uh, Double B did a, did a feature on WNCT about his man cave. Is anything <laughs> like that in your future? So, you know, I'm, I'm much younger than Bailey. So, uh, you know, I, I and, and if, if we really want to get the jokes going, I mean, I spent all my time working where Bailey spent all his time at home the last 20 years. So I haven't had oh, time together as good as Bailey's, but it's kind of funny. So I've actually, I got married three years ago. Uh, I was late to the, the marriage game, which was fine with me. I had a great time early in my life, but met the right person, right time, got married. But I still had my house, and I'm actually just in this vacation moving all the stuff out of my house to sell it. So I'm going through all the sports memorabilia that I've accumulated through the years. And so uh, I had plenty of man cave material. I just uh, have not put it together yet. So maybe when I'm as old as Bailey, I'll have myself a nice man cave put together. <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds really good. Do you have any uh, cool items you can tell us about pirate-wise or sports-wise that you would love that's like a uh, keepsake? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of the stuff is stuff that we're given to the media. I'm not a huge collector of things that I actually go out and seek. But, you know, I, I've certainly got a good helmet collection from our high school and college days that we've made for our sets. But I found some old press passes the other day. I found a banner from – I found a poster from uh, one of the Mobile Bowls and, and from the um, – oh, cool. the, um, 
uh, uh, Liberty Bowl. I found a really cool poster and some glasses from the Liberty Bowl they gave us, a football from the gallaryfurniture.com bowl. Oh, wow. Uh, some cool stuff, a, a little, um, a little, some banners, some nice media gifts from uh, Super Bowl 38 when the Panthers went and played the Patriots in Houston. Um, I found all my old ACC bags. The ACC tournament always gives the best media gifts. And so I've got all sorts of great stuff, and I've got like eight of these leather bags that are just awesome to have. And I feel like my wife is, uh, she's into like um, Michael Kors and stuff. And, and I built her a walk-in closet where she can display some of her things and her nice purses and her, her, her shoes that she likes. So when I get my man cave, I said her to, to her the other day, I'm going to get my uh, closet and I can display my ACC tournament bags, these nice leather bags that I think are, are all really cool. But, you know, just a lot of little cool things that I don't know if they'd matter to anybody else, but, but, you know, I found some old high school trophies. I found my old high school baseball hat, and I was wearing that around proudly. It's like the old Pittsburgh Pirates um, uh, pillbox hat type. We had those oh, in high yeah. school. I was wearing wow. that. So, so it's been, yeah, this going through all my old stuff by coincidence, it's been pretty cool seeing all the neat. And I haven't even gone through a lot of it. A lot of it's just in boxes, but one day I'll go through it, and it, it, it's uh, it'll chug some really good memories. I found some stuff when I was at JMU when Lefter Giselle was there, and and that was cool. So yeah, I got some, I got some neat stuff that, I, that, that I, I like and whether anybody else likes it, I don't know, but, but I, I certainly think it's cool. You read my mind, Brian. That's, I was going to ask you, I knew you're a James Madison alum and uh, you yeah. bring up Let, Letty Drizel. Uh, of course, a yeah. lot of memories from the days when the Dukes were in the CAA with East Carolina. And uh, I remember we talked about this numerous times on the show. For some reason, it always comes up when James Madison is brought up, but yeah. um I, I remember those days when Lefty came to the old Minchies and th- they had the the Lefty mask on, on a stick, and so the, yeah. <laughs> so the the ECU students had those. And one of the East Carolina co-eds asked Lefty after the game on the way to his post game press conference, "Hey, Lefty, will you sign your face?" He said, "No, I won't sign mine, but I'll sign yours." <laughs> so so that's a kind of funny. A funny story, but uh, in addition to Lefty Drizel, uh, how about uh, Mike Houston's runs to the national championship or maybe when college game day came to Harrisonburg, anything from those events? Well, you know, been so many. You know, I worked, so I went to JMU from uh, 88 to 92, and then I was lucky enough to get my first job in television at the station in Harrisonburg. So that was six years. I was the weekend guy at WHSV, and really it was like being a 10-year college student. A lot of people wish they could stay in college a little bit longer for the social life. I was able to do that. I just was actually getting paid. Not much, but I was getting paid to stay in my, my college town. And that was really neat. We had some really good memories. Uh, and going through those years, the football team was on the rise. Um, we had, uh, you know, Rip Shear, uh, got them into, into some prominence into the playoffs for a few years. And, and then Mickey Matthews, right after I left, Mickey Matthews won a national championship with him in, I think, 2004. And, but uh, it's I, I've been proud to watch them through the years, uh, football wise, and they put out some good talent. But um, when I saw Mike Houston go in there, he's a guy that I certainly uh, kept a close eye on. Of course, it helped that he took Donnie Kirkpatrick and made him his um, uh, offensive coordinator. And then we had um, Taylor Woods from Havelock was a running back for them. So that kind of doubled up my interest a little bit more. I was more than just an alumni. I would go there and I would actually cover one or two games a year and try to work those local connections of Donnie and Taylor. And, and that made it a lot more fun for me. So uh, I, I got to know Mike Houston and his brand a little bit more than I, than I would have some other coaches at my alma mater, just based on those connections. And it was, a, it was fun to watch. He impressed me right away with how he ran things, how he conducted himself, 
uh, how his players respected him. So I knew he'd be the right guy for the job if uh, ECU could land him. And boy, did they ever. I tell you what, Brian, I am tickled to death. Um, so I was telling you beforehand, uh, catching up, it's been a while. You know, it's weird not to cover sports right now. But as far as the actual games, we should be talking about uh, maybe a super regional by now. Um, but anyway, uh, with ECU. But the good news is uh, this is the best we've had in a long time with all our coaches, especially when you look at the uh, revenue sports for basketball, baseball, and football. Uh, we've always had good coaches, but if you look across the board, this is the best we've had in a generation. You know, it's funny because Joe Dooley's the old guy. And when I got here, Joe Dooley was one of the youngest coaches yeah. in the nation. And my first year was his last year in, you know, right. Joe Dooley 1.0. And so I didn't get to know him that well. But um, then he comes back around and now he's the old guy, but still has that fire and enthusiasm and, oh and seems to, you know, he made some waves here this year with, with his uh, changeover in the roster and, now we'll see if it can keep going a little bit. But, um, look, Cliff Godwin, you know, he's just trying to keep Cliff there as long as possible because I think yeah. he is the guy that could go other places if he really wanted to. But I think he really wants to cement his legacy at ECU. And there's just no guy you want to run through a wall for uh, wall through more than, than Cliff Godwin. And from a media perspective, you know, there's a guy you don't want to be more prepared for because if you come through <laughs> with some weak questions, Cliff is going to knock you out of the park with it. You know, so uh, – Ronnie Woodward, I love him. Ronnie, Ronnie's, thank God, he's our the leadoff guy who goes up there and asks the dumb questions first and gets the, gets the, the brunt of Cliff's uh, answers, and then the rest of us uh, have to, you know, kind of pick up the pieces after that. But no, I, just, I kid Ronnie. Uh, but Cliff's great. And then, you know, Mike Houston, I think, you know, Mike has made it clear that he doesn't want to if, – if he's only there five years, it means it worked. And I think Mike has bigger aspirations, and I always respect that I, as long as you know going in what you're, you're dealing with with a coach and if they want to coach in a Power 5 conference and make a lot of money and get that big paycheck, all the power to you. Just do a good job when you're here. Um, be where your feet are. Turn the program around. Get back to some prominence and left at a better place and, and, and have a, somebody take over that, that can take it even even further. But I think Mike Houston's the guy to, to kind of resurrect what was just a train wreck of a program that just uh, nothing seemed to work no matter what they did the last few years. And so I think Mike Houston has a plan. It might take him longer than he did other places, but I think he's got the right plan in place. And, Brian, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, speaking of covering uh, Mike Houston, talk about from your perspective because you were there all the time uh, during the Montgomery years, but I was the last year of Montgomery's when we started this podcast. That, to me, and I'm not knocking the guy because I, I liked him personally. I didn't have anything anti-Montgomery, so I want to make that very clear. He's a really nice guy. But there's a huge difference when you are a member of the media and you cover that practice and, and now with Houston, it's night and day. I always say Scotty Montgomery was one of the smartest football guys I know. X's and O's, he was a brilliant guy. He could dissect the game. Um, I don't, sometimes you wonder about when you're a head coach, you know, it's sometimes it's not about X's and O's. It's about people skills. It's about playing, planning. It's about leadership. And, uh, Look, Scotty was a good guy. I think he thought he had the plan. I don't know if he had the right administration to support him. I don't know if he had the right money to get the right coaching staff. It really was a lot like John Thompson. John Thompson was a good football coach. John Thompson was a, a smart guy who came in and basically had to hire a high school football staff uh, because they didn't give him the budget to really get the assistant coaches he needed, and that was reflective uh, of the product on the field. Now, he recruited some good guys. Skip Holtz took over, and there was some talent that, that John – Thompson had brought in 
And so, look, Scotty Montgomery, same thing. Scotty took over a program that was just getting into the AAC. I think a lot of people forget, you know, Ruff had a first rough go of it in the AAC. And then, um, and then Scotty came in and they could just never get that foothold for a myriad of reasons. Um, but they all added up to, to tough three and nine seasons. But I, I think it was a combination of lack of administration of support, um, lack of money for the coaching staff, and, and just a lack of overall organization and leadership to really get them where they had to go. But Scotty was a, a, still is a, a very smart football man. Kyle Brian joining us now. Hey, Kyle. I, I heard it was because he didn't do it live. That's what Rick Smith said. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but now with the uh, but now with Mike Houston coming in, I really believe you were talking about. I I know he's told people off off record, but anyway. So, but I know for a fact that it was a lot worse than he even anticipated. Yeah. That's obvious. Uh, when you look at the facilities, I was embarrassed when. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I was embarrassed when the media was allowed to walk through the all of the like he allowed us to walk through and had access yeah. to it. And it looked like institutionalized institution paint. Um, there was nothing. And I and I don't mean that to be mean. And he's come in and they've given more of a budget. They've given new carpet paint. The the new administration's done a nice job with all the all the different visual stuff uh, that you see, all the logos, all the stuff like that that they've done has been uh, tremendous. And little things like that have really meant a lot for me early on in the Gilbert administration. So kids, I mean, you're all based on your kids. It's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. you got to get the right guys in there. Recruiting is so huge. And as they keep stepping up in conference, recruiting is huge. And kids want to have fun. Kids want to have the cool colors. Kids want to have the right environment. Look what Clemson does. I don't know how much you guys have looked at Clemson's program. Oh, my but their God. Weight room, yeah, their weight room, they have a, a big slide that goes from the second floor to the first yeah. floor. You know, that's fun for the kids. They have a wiffle ball field out back that they go and play these wiffle ball games. They they put in hard work, but they're rewarded, and they get to be kids and have fun. And Dabo really has hit on that culture uh, of getting the top recruits in there because he recruits good kids, smart kids who uh, want to work hard but also want to enjoy their college experience. And and I think Mike Houston gets that too. Mike's a taskmaster. He's going to demand a lot from you, but he's also going, to, also going to make it a fun environment and make you better at the end. And I think kids want discipline, they want to have fun, and they want to win. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of, of, of recruits and kids coming in, Brian, uh, as we look forward to this football season, uh, whatever it will be and whenever it will be, I uh, have quite a few grad transfers coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, kid from, uh, Arkansas, kid from Alabama. Uh, got a kid from, uh, Office of Lima from NC State. Uh, got another O lineman coming in, not as a grad transfer, but as a traditional transfer with three years of eligibility from UNC on the O line. Yep. Uh, got the, got the defensive lineman from App State. Um, so, uh, what do you, what do you think of the trend in general? Starting in basketball, now it's starting to bleed over into football. Yeah. Um, the grad transfers, I guess, is, it's a different animal. It can be a good thing, but just in general, all the transferring in college sports these days. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing with kids nowadays. Kids want to go play. I mean, they want to maximize their experience and they want to, they want to play. And you got to be careful sometimes when we get all excited about an SEC transfer, but if he wasn't playing there, we don't know if he can play here. And we've seen that with a few guys who have come through ECU already that just transfers always scare me because something wasn't right where they were. Maybe it's playing time and they're talented. They just were behind somebody. Maybe it's attitude. So those things always scare me. Same thing with Juco players just a little bit. You got to wait for those guys to prove themselves. But 
you know, Mike Houston's had a great success with transfers wherever he's gone. It's a different animal from, from JMU and the transfers you had there, but he knows how to deal with them. He knows about the attitudes. He knows about uh, maybe not being happy in an environment and trying to be happy now. And so sometimes the grad transfers aren't a big waste. I mean, you, you gamble. If you lose, it's usually only one year or two years at tops, and then you can get right back into your scholarship rotation. But when you're trying to build a program and get up to AAC standards, i.e. bigger linemen, um, guys that can compete on that level. Sometimes you have to gamble on those guys. You have to gamble on the JUCOs and hope you hit on them. Um, now the kid from Havelock that's transferring from UNC is a good kid. Um, he's probably more of the AAC caliber than ACC caliber. Not that there's a huge difference, but I think he'll have a better chance of playing at ECU and, and getting in there right away where he was behind a really big line at, at, uh, UNC. And that's okay because you want people to come in and develop. And ECU's had great success with undersized offensive linemen coming in, really developing and then showing their wares and going on. So I think he's a kid that could possibly do that. And, and some of the, you know, the, the offensive lineman from MC state that's coming in, I think he's a good get for them. Uh, some of the sec guys, again, they haven't played much, so it's kind of hard to tell how good they're going to be, but let's see. The running back from Arkansas uh, started in the freshman season. Uh, was yeah. the running back that year. He's had three yeah. different head coaches. He, he went to pray for Brett Bielema and then had two different head coaches since then had some injury trouble. If he's healthy, that kid's good. He could be a difference maker. You're right. His yeah. best season was his freshman year. Then he got hurt his sophomore year. And then, you know, things were just working out for him. And he decides to only play, uh, you know, four games and then and gets out. So, yeah, he's a kid that still has a pretty good upside to him. You, you bring up a great point on that. No question about it, uh, Brian. I know it sounds so simple when it uh, when it comes to football, but when you hear about blocking and tackling, but uh, the offensive line and defensive line, if you have them mediocre or slightly above average at East Carolina, like for where we're right now, that can be the difference of the four wins or six wins. It's that crucial uh, that Huge. we could be going and bowling this year. Huge, you know, because Holt Naylor just gets beat up so badly. If you if he takes ten less hits a game, it's a major difference throughout the season. And yeah. let's be real, the defensive side is really where the, the biggest change I think is going to happen. Mike Houston is a defensive coach. He made his hay at JMU as a defensive coach. Their defense was just incredible. They would force turnovers. He had a good D at Citadel, good D at Lenore Ryan, and he loves to run the ball. He likes a physical game. So if he can get that defense turned around, they're going to find offensive players. ECU's always been able to get offensive players, but that offensive line is a big deal because he wants to run the ball. That is his, that also takes pressure off of Holton Nailers. You can run. You're going to have guys not coming at him quite as much. Use play action. Holton can run and still be effective. So offensive line is huge. Steve Shankweiler, you know, we know how well of a job he can do. He's just got to get the right guys in there and be in there a year or two to get those guys developed how he wants. But if he does that and he gets that defensive scheme he wants, and the defensive players who can really ball hawk and turn it over. Uh, look, JMU doesn't put that many guys in the NFL, but they put defensive players in the NFL, and there's a reason for that. And and uh, because they're really good players who just know have a have a sharp mind for the game, and if he can recruit them to ECU, get those same type of players, and that defense turns around, kind of like what Skip Holtz did in his championship years, that is that's going to be the key, I think, for ECU going forward. Yeah, counting the grad transfer from App State, we got nine defensive linemen coming in with this uh, recruiting class. Um, I think that's going to put us around twenty defensive linemen on the entire roster, which is a lot of linemen. The only problem is. The only one with any experience to speak of is the grad transfer from App State. So it bodes well for the future and building that front seven on defense. But 
maybe some growing pains this year. And I know um, the scheme that our new DC likes to run does he does play a lot of defensive linemen. He likes to rotate guys in and out. So you're gonna have some guys getting baptized under fire. Sure are. And, you know, I think offensively they might be able to score some points this year, and that'll help them. But for the long-term future, it's what you got to do. you got to get that defense straight and got to get a defensive coordinator in there longer term and keep the same scheme for a while and get guys' confidence. The defense has just not played with confidence in so long there. Uh, but once you start generating some turnovers, it gets contagious, and uh, it can be a lot of fun to watch. But you're right. It's probably going to be a year or two away before that defense gets ramped up. But, look, the Panthers did it with a defensive line in the NFL that got them to a Super Bowl. Defensive lines, I mean, put pressure on the other team, stop the run, get to the quarterback, and that creates turnovers in the back end. I'm going to mention to see. Uh, he likes to call it the money down, our new D.C. I'm terrible with names, Brian. Uh, so, Blake Carroll. Uh, Blake Carroll, thank you. Yeah. Uh, he, he likes to call it the money down. Uh, you know, you've seen a lot of – a lot of defensive coordinators use these gimmicks, championship right. belts, different things, turnover chains. Uh, so it'll be interesting with calling third down the money down if he'll have any kind of gimmick on the sideline for getting big stops on third down. Does that mean you can flash cash on the sideline, pay guys? No, you can't pay the players. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, please, don't, please don't do that. Uh, that's, that's the last thing we need our program uh, to go through. It's, yeah, you, you know, with what we're going through right now, we couldn't do that anyway. We're, we'd be fake. We'd be uh, flashing counterfeit bills on the sideline. Money down. Maybe you charge people if you make a play. Maybe they contribute more to you to get you out of the debt. Yeah. And uh, Brian, as far as uh, this year, I'm really I'm confident. I I think we have a good shot at making a bowl six and six, as Kyle said many yeah. times. Six and six is like going twelve and zero for the program. Going to a bowl. You know, before we used to be set like bowl snobs. Oh, my God, the Cure Bowl or whatever bowl we would be. And we're going to that bowl. And now yeah. just to go to a bowl is a big deal. No offense to people at the Cure Bowl. We would love to be there. I don't know about the Cure Bowl. I would rather go to the Ramones Bowl. <laughs> you know, we've seen this before. Yeah, we've seen this before. You know, Peach Bowl, there was a little, a few year drought, and then Steve Logan gets him back. Then there's another drought before they get to the Mobile Bowl. And, and then uh, after Steve Logan's gone, there's a drought until Skip Holtz can get him to, what was their first one? Bur- uh, Birmingham. Yeah, the Papa John's.com Bowl. Yeah. And so, and now we're in one of those again. You're right. Uh, it, it's funny how when you don't go for a while, you're willing to go to any of those places. And really the, the bigger deal of that is getting the extra practices. The development that happens in those extra 15 practices and an extra game is just huge for programs. And when you start missing out on those, NC State saw that last year. When you start missing out on those, you you lose a chance to really develop. And that's what programs do is develop guys. And you miss those key 15 practices in that game. It's big. And then you go season after season, and it's it continually adds up. So ECU they need to find a way to get back to a bowl game to, to start getting that development going again. Those extra 15 practices are so huge. Brian, a couple of years ago, um, you were doing, uh, I think it was online only, you were doing a college football recap show on Saturday, similar to your, um, or was it on Sunday? Similar uh, to we, 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 we put it online, yeah. We did a Saturday. We would tape it and just put it online mostly, yeah. Yeah, it was similar to your, to your uh, high school football show. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got any plans to do that again? I enjoyed it. Boy, you know, I pitch it every year and it's always, it's a money thing. As you guys know in the business, it's all about money and clicks. And, and we had talked for years about doing a seven o'clock show, a, a college football show. Cause we have ABC football from three 30 and then we come back on at eight o'clock. And I've told them for years, let's, let's do a college football show in there. You should be able to sell it. I know other stations around the country do it. 
But then ABC decided to start kicking off at 7.30, their primetime game. So that got taken away from us. So, you know, I don't know. It's all about resources. It's all about selling. It's all about your current management. Yeah. And, you know. Um, I would like, what, what I would like is, like, after the, the late news on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I recap, yeah. recapping all the schools in the Carolinas and Virginia. I, I'm huge. And, I, you know, I love covering ECU. But, I, yeah, I, I love covering the ACC schools. But I love covering App State. I love covering Chowan. I love covering all the D2s. And, you know, there, we have so we have 30, I think it's up to 34 now, college football, with Barton coming in this year, maybe 35 college football teams in our state. Wow. And we have guys from Eastern North Carolina that play for almost every single one of them. That's how spread out they are. And we get guys that go to the SEC. We get guys that go other places. So I, I love keeping up with all those guys. I would love a regional show because – you're right. It's hard. You watch ESPN. Maybe if they're even covering uh, ECU or an ACC game, they're only giving you a couple highlights and no post game reaction. And so I've always felt there's a market for it. Um, you know, it's just always convincing my bosses and then getting the resources out there. And uh, it's it's TV's TV's tough sometimes. You know, show me the money is what it always comes down to. And uh, just because it's fun to do doesn't mean it'll generate revenue. But if you find the right people to do it and the revenue's there, it could be a possibility. Yeah. Is that something you could do on now, Brian, Facebook Live like we're doing at YouTube? The hard part with the Internet stuff is uh, all the rights, the image rights. Like the right. ACC, we can't even show our newscast broadcast that we do with ACC highlights, even if we shot them. They, cut, they follow the NFL model of it's their image rights. So we are not allowed to go on the Internet and show any of those highlights now. So okay. that would be the tough wow. part of doing that. Because it's broadcasting okay. to a national audience instead of just local? Yeah, because we're yeah because we're infringing on So when we're just on TV, we're in our own little geographic mm-hmm. footprint. But when you're on the Internet, you're in everybody's footprint. And the ACC okay. wants those clicks to their highlights. They are not allowing you to get the clicks that they want to get. The NFL well, is the one who said that many years ago. If you watch, you know, you can never find NFL highlights – uh, you're not supposed to be able to find NFL highlights on any local broadcast. Even when we shot it, you know, when the Panthers, we would get in trouble if we put any highlights on the web. So, and we're not even supposed to air them after like 24 hours, 48 hours. We're not supposed to air highlights. There's all sorts of draconian rules with the NFL and how they do that stuff. And, and the ACC is starting to follow, uh, in their footsteps a little bit. And, and rightfully so it's, it's their rights to do so. And they want to get the clicks and they want people to watch their videos. And, and I get it. It just kind of, I think it hurts the fans, and the viewership, or people who are looking for different angles of how things are covered. Bobby, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, that's what. Obviously, some live sports like NASCAR is getting cranked back up. Also, uh, the PGA here soon. Uh, but in addition to that stuff, uh, you've had the ten-part series, The Last Dance. It's been mm-hmm. talked about a lot, uh, to say the least. And then also, um, here more recently, Lance, uh, the 30 for 30 on Lance Armstrong. So have you been watching any of that stuff? So I, I loved the, uh, the the last dance that was, you know, my era that was before the internet got really strong. Um, you know, I was first in local TV in 92 and we still would show bulls. Even though I was in Virginia, we're showing bulls highlights every night because Michael Jordan, everybody wants to see his highlights. And, And so I lived all those, that time and those games. And that was so much fun for me to watch. It was a trip down memory lane, but it was insight we hadn't had. It was things you thought, but didn't know. And so I thought that was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I know it's gotten some flack for the way they jumped around, but I liked it. Uh, It's gotten some flack for it's Michael Jordan's truth and he controlled it, but I still thought it was awesome. 
Um, I, I thought it was just a, a really neat look into the time before Twitter and Facebook. And um, now we know everything. Back then, we didn't know everything. And so I thought that was really cool. Lance Armstrong, I met Lance Armstrong in 1993 when he was running the Tour de Pont and went through Harrisonburg and, and won the stage at Massanutten. So, um, you know, the, the bushy hair, the COVID hair I got into going now kind of looks like I had when I was 23 back then. And, uh, Lance was, uh, you know, starting to climb up the ladder a little bit. So I had that connection with Lance then interviewing him live at that, that stage win. And so I followed his career pretty closely after that. Once you have a connection with somebody, you follow it a little closely. And so I was one of those guys who didn't want to believe the drug stuff. Um, but again, you get cynical in sports for a reason. You, you find out that when things are too good to be true, they generally are. Uh, so watching his story, watching him kind of, I don't know, get exposed a little bit and find out how awkward he kind of is. And he didn't know his own son's number when he, when he's playing at Rice. And, um, I, it, it was revealing in, in different ways, but I love documentaries. I, I can't stand a Hollywood remake, but I love documentaries of people telling the actual truths or their truths of what they went through. So I could watch that stuff all day and all night. But I thought Lance was riveting and, again, brought back a lot of memories for me. But the last last dance was just – I watched every episode two to three times. and I, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm an old, cranky guy now. I'm not one who raves about a lot of things, but I, the last dance was, to me, some top-quality uh, viewing. Brian, exactly. uh, did you have a follow-up to that, Dave? Yeah, just the fact that, uh, Brian, you being in television, that, uh, I know like episode five and six, I haven't heard the last four episodes, so I'll be honest, but, uh, Forbes Sports had them at like a rating of like a 5.6 share. I mean, it was 5.6, 5.8 share. At this day and age, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but this day and age is huge. On cable TV too. Cable still yeah. isn't. Or, you know, premium channel still isn't one of those that gets huge, huge numbers. And, and obviously Chicago area was big numbers. North Carolina was high numbers of viewership. Lance didn't do very well at all. I heard the first episode was less than a million viewers, but, um, look, ESPN's hit on those documentaries. And, uh, but the last dance I was, uh, the last four episodes are worth it now. And, and, uh, it's funny, even when you, even when you remember what happened, it was still neat watching it again. You're almost on the edge of your seat watching it. The backstories are just phenomenal. Um, I, I just, I, I, Michael didn't go a lot into his personal life, but I thought it was really good. And then, of course, you know, Michael had his, um, had his golf tournament at E, at, in Greenville back in those years too, in, in 99 and, and 2000. I remember asking him in 99, was he still 99.9% sure? And he said, well, maybe 99.6 or something was the answer he gave. And then, you know, he goes and gets, Wizards ownership stake and then comes out of retirement after that. And it's funny. They didn't touch on that at all, uh, in the documentary. Right. Sorry to, to ruin it for you, Dave, but they, they, it's not mentioned. So if you're waiting right. for it, you will hear no wizards mentioned in, in, in that documentary. Brian, yeah, I was new, news coming out today. Um, in college football related and potentially East Carolina related, uh, Notre Dame and Navy, uh, canceling the game in Dublin. And uh, it's now going to be played in Annapolis. It's going to be played Labor Day weekend. Um, at least that's the plan. Uh, right now, we have a week zero game schedule with Marshall. Uh, if you look at the rest of the week zero schedule, if games are played that weekend, uh, game day was supposed to go to Dublin. Uh, of course, they could just not have a game day for week zero, but there's a push now online with the, the only handful of games on week zero to try to get game day to come to that East Carolina Marshall game for the anniversary of the crash. And, Potentially the first, well, it would be the first college football game, uh, of the year, but the, the first 
potentially the first big event besides NASCAR played on American soil since COVID. Um, so uh, how cool would that be if we could make it happen to get game day to come to Greenville for that one? Well, I mean, it's it speaks into itself. You know, JMU's had, had them there twice, and the campus just blows up. It gets people onto your campus that may not necessarily go there. It gets people interested in your game that may not necessarily. It's great for recruiting. It's great for the university as they try to get people to go there. But what they like to do is have storylines. And I don't know of a better storyline than Marshall and ECU and the rebuilding of Marshall's program and the connection to ECU and uh, the only question is, will they let Mike Hamrick back into Greenville? Well, will he be allowed to come back down there and, uh, and partake? Uh, will he need a police escort to get into Greenville and get out of Greenville? So, look, I, I, it's, it's a no-brainer for us because we're heavily invested, and, and I think we we see how big a deal it is. Um, and I think if the ESPN people look at it a little bit more and understand the storyline behind it, now the only thing that might – be something they well you've played but they played before they they Marshall's made the trip before this is Marshall's first trip since 1970 that would be probably even more of a hook but from a TV sense of it the backstories the people you can interview the uh, all those I, I, to me it, it sounds like a pretty good deal I don't know of anything else but you bring up the great point of we don't know what's going to happen with the COVID now Dave and I were talking off air. It's almost like it doesn't exist right now with everything else going on in the country. People are kind of acting like it doesn't exist. And we have to see, is there going to be another spike that's going to set us back? Or are we kind of past it? Maybe we were too protective of ourselves. And, you know, we're we're a couple weeks past all the protesters trying to get the state back open again. And we haven't heard of any real spikes since then. Um, But again, it may have been buried with everything else going on. But it's going to be a wait and see deal. You know, Um, I'm I'm of the I'm old school. I I, kind of. I understand you want to social distance, but I, I think like NASCAR should start letting some fans back in. Why not start they generating the money? They, I don't know if you saw that today, Brian. Um, they, they indicated they would starting, uh, they said that it would be starting, uh, with the, with the race, uh, whatever race is the weekend of July 21st or June 21st. Okay. I'm sorry. June 21st. And they said it would depend on the local authorities, how many, right percentage of fans are let into into outdoor facilities right so if, so if i'm a sport just like a bar or restaurant and i know they have tv revenue and stuff but if i can let a thousand fans into a ten thousand seat stadium that's a thousand paying fans that help pay a little bit more of the bottom line and you know you can do it safely why would you not do that and so i you got to start looking at that number one is, is player safety and athlete safety and coaches safety and and trainers i mean there's a lot of different layers to it but as far as the fans go, I mean, I, yeah, maybe you can't let everybody in and you have to do some extra work, but you can let some people in and create some environment. I don't see why you can't. Um, now, there, I, I, it sounds simple, but there's other things. There's parking. There's concessions. There's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But uh, as this goes on and on, we know who's vulnerable. We know who recovers better. And we start seeing some of these parameters. I got to think we start taking some of these chances because we can't live in bubbles forever and we got to get out there and start uh, living our lives again. And, and um, that includes sports, which are such a, a great unifier. Um, you do it right. You do it smart. Just be smart about these things. I think there's good plans you can have to get these things going again. Yeah. Well, yeah, by the way, way, I would, if I can go to Walmart with a thousand knuckleheads, then I, you should be able to go to a, a friggin' racetrack that holds 50,000. They put ten thousand in there and be perfectly fine. 
Not to mention you're outside in the open air in the heat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, way, I think we've seen a lot of the hypocritical nature of some of the things that they've tried to do. And, and you talk about the Walmarts and the box stores and the small businesses can and the haircut people can. And and I think we've seen a lot of the hypocritical nature of that. And, and, there, and there's ways, too, right? You can get a haircut. Put on a face shield if you're a barber and, and you protect yourself a little bit more. I just think there's ways to do these things that are smarter instead of just being restrictive. I found it interesting. The state didn't cut off its lottery, and people were still going in and buying lottery tickets and standing around everybody. And the liquor Maybe stores are still open owned by the state. And, you know, you, you can start looking at some of those things and go, okay, well, it's good for you, but why can't I go do this? Or why can't it, it just – you have to use common sense. You have to be smarter about it. And I know not everybody has it. I know not everybody's smart and aware of their surroundings. But I think it, it, there's ways to do it. And then people have to expect to police themselves a little bit. And by the way, I double checked for you, Kyle. June 21st is a reason why you let fans back in. That's Talladega, one of the biggest tracks, ah, the biggest yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. So you, you yeah, got to have care. fans in Talladega. Yeah. yeah. Those Bama, they ain't interested in social distancing. <laughs> Bama fans don't care about no COVID. They're getting ready for football season. Uh, yeah, that's one reason why. You know. The reason why we're going to have a football season is because of SEC. Uh, that whatever they want, they get. So, and rightfully so. But I have to give them credit on this one. They're actually helping us have a football season by saying, "Okay, you out the West Coast. If you're not going to have a season, we're still going to have a season." It's all well and good until we find out someone on a team or someone close gets sick, and then what happens? I mean, young people seem to be able to not have very many problems unless they have a comorbid or a pre-existing condition. And those things should be flushed out in physicals anyways. So as far as the players and teams, but if somebody slips through and, and it does get somebody, we're taking six steps back because lawyers rule this world now. And if somebody has a chance to sue because of negligence, that's going to take over and that's going to set everybody back. And we're going to be waiting until 2021 after a vaccine is out before they're going to allow people to start playing. It was breaking about an hour ago. I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline. I don't know. Brian, if you saw it, or Dave, if you saw it, the two Marshall football players, actually, ironically enough, tested positive for COVID. I don't know if they were testing to let kids back on for voluntary practice or workouts or what, but uh, two uh, two Marshall football players have tested positive and are being quarantined. Get it now. Get the herd mentality going, a herd immunity going, I guess. But uh, ah, herd immunity. Yeah, pun intended, right? So, <laughs> look, kids are going to get it, especially if you see the pool parties. Yeah. People are back out now. People are still going to get this. I mean, this is this right. is not going away anytime soon. And even when you get a vaccine, people are still going to get it. We just have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to protect the people who are the most vulnerable. That's the biggest thing we have to do here. And so, and you, and you can't get it to spread throughout the team. So testing is going to be key. But yeah, let's find out now, right? I'd much rather have them find out now than game week. And that would really ruin things during game week. Unless no like you're a starting quarterback or something like that, maybe, and then the rest of their players could play. Maybe a couple of key starters from Marshall had to be. I shouldn't say that because then it's going to backfire. <laughs> I know exactly because Don't karma, karma has uh, has no loyalties. Karma uh, will come and get anybody right. it wants. You're right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brian, what's your thoughts on as far as do you have a situation with East Carolina with Dowdy Pickwood Stadium, Bagway Field having? 51,000, I think now, if you add the press box. So, um, what are your thoughts on, uh, I was joking with you earlier about the fact that I have my season tickets and renewed them, of course. And so I have four season tickets. So I, do I tell my son, you can go, 
um, this game, but my daughter, I'm sorry, baby, you can't go um, with having four. How are they going to do that? You know, the highest bidder, right? You're, whichever yeah. kid uh, does their chores the best that week or, you know, incentives are going to go up. You know, you got to use those, Dave, to your advantage. You know, yeah, who, exactly. who treats dad the best that week if they really want to go? Uh, it's look, your your pirate club people, I would think, because and, and season ticket holders, there's not that many of them where if you spread everybody out, they could get in the stadium and you want to reward those people who are contributing to the program. So I think you find ways to take care of those people first. And if you have the luxury of having more people than you can safely fit in for the capacity you have, that's a good problem to have. And then you deal with it. But I think ECU, you know, again, I'm a statistic guy. I try to keep emotion out of it when dealing with stuff like this. You look at the statistics of it all and how it's spread and, and who gets affected. And I still think you can get, probably half the stadium in there if you do it right. So that's 25,000, which let's be honest, that's what really they've been averaging lately. You just have to spread them out and move them around and make sure they're using different exits at different times and, um, you know, schedule bathroom breaks like you're in school or something. Or there, there's ways you can do it to, to do it safely. You just have to have a smart, good plan to go about it. But I think ECU can still put people in the stadium and do it safely and, and you won't miss as much as you will other places. Yeah. I think half full is exactly what we're going to get. And, I think you take care of your season ticket holders, uh, maybe half the student tickets, whatever the normal amount is, cut that in half, and then sell the rest. 7000 Okay. So, and then, then just sell the rest to the general public. Um, I, I think if they if they get the, the go-ahead, you know, let's say by mid-July, that 25000 is what they're going to be able to sell, I bet you all of a sudden a lot of people want to start buying season tickets. Supply and um, demand, right? You, yeah. you can't. All of a sudden, you can't get it. You're going to want it. Yep. So that'd be interesting to see if that could actually help us. Um, as odd as that sounds, with season ticket sales. Um, and then I, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but just you know, I don't know what you do about bathrooms. I think people just got to police themselves. But with food, maybe you just sell um, packaged items. You know, you, you don't don't have anything that you that people have got to handle more so than just handing your bottle of Gatorade or or a Snickers bar. I think masks will be required. You know, there was a somebody, uh, the great thing about the, the Internet can be the worst of things and it can be the best of things. And I saw somebody actually putting out pictures of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, Georgia Tech playing a football game and all of the fans wearing surgical wow. masks. Even back in 1918, they were doing that. Oh, and wow. we could see something yeah. similar this time around. And I, and I think those will be required of fans as well. And I, look, there's been a lot of debate about masks, but I, I don't know how they can hurt. Uh, so you put fan, if you want to go to the game, you got to have your, your mask on. Um, I think I'm going to hurt Brian. Uh, if you're playing in, uh, August and it's a hundred degrees or 90 degrees, uh, and you're wearing a mask, there may be some breathing difficulties. Oh, some there you go. There you go. So there's something to, that's one of the things they got to look at. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, one of they talk about, they talk about the players putting full face shields on them as well to keep them, wow. you know, and, and that's going to. Those are going to fog up the face shields and stuff, but you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And so you have a problem, you find another solution that goes to it. And, and that's the great thing about Americans. And, and if we're presented with a problem and you give us good incentive, we'll find a solution. Uh, I really think they're going to have a vaccine by the middle of the fall that, and then maybe by the middle of the winter where everybody can then get to and, and we're not as worried. Maybe we get back to normal, but in the meantime, we're going to have to find ways and um, you're going to have to find ways to protect people. And we know it's, it's the, the airborne um, water that that comes from our, our bodies that that is how it's transmitted, and so uh, there's going to be a lot of small, subtle changes they're going to have to to deal with, and there's going to be tweaking as it goes along. But 
But good point about the face masks. You're right. They, you're breathing in your own CO2 and it does get hot. So maybe you just have to wear them when you're moving around. You get to your seats, take them off and, and shout. Just make sure the person in front of you is not spitting distance. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, as far as uh, we're talking about Coach Houston, do you see the Pirates? Uh, I know you're not Nostradamus, but do you see the Pirates yeah, going yeah. to a bowl this year? Uh, I know early, 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 early. Uh, look at the Pirates. Uh, I feel like we have a shot, especially I'll say this uh, publicly and on the air. I really believe in Blake Harrell. I like him a lot personally, uh, professionally. I think he's going to be outstanding as a uh, defensive coordinator. And it doesn't have, and I think it doesn't have to be a top 50 defense, obviously, to get you to a bowl. So if you have just a little bit of improvement with the offense we have coming back, one of the most talented in the whole country, in my opinion, on offense, then I believe that we've got a good shot at going to a bowl. I'm not saying that I know there's a, t- it's a tough road, but you can make an argument for it. I'm the worst kind of sports guy because I don't look at schedules until right before the season. Like I had to ask you who they were playing with, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, Marshall. Oh yeah, that's right. I can't tell you who they play after that. You know, once I get towards August and preseason camp. Uh, okay. So there you go. So I will start looking at the schedule then, but without looking at the schedule, here's what I know. They're going to be better than last year. And I think offensively, they're going to be better. Defense is going to be interesting to see now. Uh, but a, another new DC, another new scheme, new players. But offensively, I think they have a chance to be even better. I think the offensive line is going to be a little bit better. And so, um, I'd have to look at the schedule, but you know, find me six wins. I mean, Marshall's a winnable game to start off. South Carolina's not that unwinnable by any means. I mean, I know they've gotten a little bit better mm-hmm. in the last few years, but it's not a game that ECU can't win. And how apropos would that be? State. What's that? Norfolk State is on the uh, schedule this year. Oh my God. Norfolk State's won like three games the last 10 years combined, I think. So if you lose that one, you know, that's not good. But even like with South Carolina, how apropos would that be? Cause that's where everything went wrong for Scotty Montgomery, right? He's about to go three and oh, and then they turn it over five times inside the five yard line. And, and then everything went way off the rails after that. So how apropos would that be if you go and, and, uh, uh, Mike Houston can beat South Carolina and then take it right back, back on track again. So that's, that's going to be an interesting game. Got to beat Marshall first, but, uh, you know, Norfolk State. All right, who you got after Norfolk State? Uh, well, our non-conference schedule. I, 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 without looking at the schedule, I can't give it to you in order, but I can tell you our non-conference schedule and our obviously our conference schedule. But uh, non-conference, we have uh, we have oh, we have a uh, Marshall, South Carolina, Norfolk State, and then the other one is in October. Uh, we play at Georgia State, and Georgia State out of the Sun Belt uh, mm-hmm. went to a bowl last year, upset Tennessee. If you remember uh, back, oh in yeah, they were dangerous. Um, yeah, very dangerous. So, Go to Georgia State, and then uh, then the conference schedule, which is which is tough. I, I think if you, if you look at our schedule, yeah, you Marshall's winnable, Georgia State's winnable. Uh, there's some games in conference that are winnable. Problem is, they're all looking at East Carolina like, well, that's a win. And, <laughs> and if you look at who we beat last year, you know, with with, with beating William and Mary, UConn, um, God, who were the other two teams we beat, guys? Old Dominion and. Um, Gardner Webb. Gardner Webb, thank you. Um, there, there's not a every team we beat last year. Every team we played this year is better than any team we beat last year. Right. The, the, the easiest game on our schedule, you, you know, you, you could argue it a few different ways. You could say maybe, well, besides Norfolk State, obviously that's the easiest. Yeah. But besides that, you could say, is it Marshall? Is it Georgia State? Is it somebody in conference like a South Florida who, according to Vegas, we're a fifty to one odds to win the league this year. South Florida is a hundred to one odds to win the league. Yeah. Wow. So who, who's the easiest opponent on our schedule? Whoever it is, 
it's with the exception of Norfolk State, obviously, is better than all the teams we beat last year. Georgia yeah. State no, would have right. the floor with UConn. Georgia yeah, State well, is legit. Now, that, that's a program that's still relatively new. And we all know John Thompson went there and coached for a while when they first started up. And, in fact, I covered a game when they played at Campbell, and I ran into him, and we, we caught up. And, and uh, John Thompson, you know, super nice guy. No matter what you want to say about his time at ECU, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But he helped start that program, but they have really taken off. And they, they give App State everything that they want now in that Sun Belt Conference when they play. And so um, – yeah, now Georgia State, I don't don't be putting down your little W on that one just yet, and you have to go on the road to do it. Uh, that's that's gonna be a tough win, but you know it, you're right. It's one of those years. ECU's always in those years, right? Every game's winnable, every game's losable. So um, you got to find ways to win those close games, and that's what Mike Houston wants to try and do. That's what he he learned how to do at Lenore Ryan and at Citadel. The guy won at the Citadel for God's sake, and no one wins at the Citadel. So yeah. he has the right. Plan. Now he had a good defensive team at the Citadel, and that's that's what really helped. And then at JMU, the table was set, and he took them to the next level with his discipline and his drive. And and so uh, he wants to learn how to win those close games. That's the next step for ECU: finding ways to win those really close ones. They lost some close ones last year. They've got to find some ways to win those field goal games. Now, Brian, now, Brian, a little, a little twist on uh, Georgia State, and this may have been what you're about to bring up, Kyle. I think you said something about Georgia. Georgia State, but Sean Elliott, who's an App State guy, uh, he actually, uh, I believe, he interviewed for the um, East Carolina job when we mm-hmm. hired Scotty Montgomery. So he will certainly, obviously, he wants to beat the Pirates anyway, but that's a little added incentive because we passed him over. Yeah, it always is. And, uh, you know, there's always guys that play for Georgia State will say ECU never offered me and want to play up in a conference. And so there's always motivation for those teams in those games. And, um, and you know, we'll see if ECU's motivated because that's, you know, you play at Atlanta. It's a great recruiting area. And, and guys, we do have some guys from Georgia. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, they're a dangerous, dangerous squad. They play a style of football that people just don't like to play. Yeah. And like Barbara said, I was going to, Make the same point. Uh, Sean Elliott did interview for our job, uh, and uh, then you know, two years later, becomes the head coach of Georgia State. Two out of the last three years since he's been there, they went to bowl games, including a big upset of Tennessee. So, uh, unfortunately, I do think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder with something to prove when he plays us. Uh, the only thing is, we're going to need that game too. So uh, that's not till October, guys. But it is an interesting game. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule, guys. We're talking about Marshall. Then you're at South Carolina, the second game. The third game, as we mentioned, is uh, at home, uh, Norfolk State. The, the actual uh, fourth game will be the uh, the Thursday night game uh, for Central Florida, which means Brian gets no sleep. Um, yeah. And then we <laughs> um, and we have at Georgia State will be the – that'll be the – what is that, the fourth game or uh, fifth game, rather, of the season, so October 3rd. And then at USF. So you'll have, you have a little nice little schedule there. Um, certainly that you don't, um, at East Carolina right now, there's no team that you should ever look, right? No, I, I you know, I, I like the break going into Georgia State. So that's nice. You have, uh, an extra few days to get ready for them. But, um, look, the AAC and even before that conference USA was a little bit different animal, but the AAC's a tougher, more physical league and ECU still has to prove they can play week in and week out with those teams. You know, and any given week, ECU can win. Can they bring the consistency every week on that? And so when you're looking for your six wins, where do you find them? And so you got to win. Let's say 
let's say you go two and two in non-conference, I think is, is realistic. And maybe you go three and four. Either way, you've got to find three to four more wins in that conference schedule. No yeah. question. It's going to be fun. And Brian, something we have not touched on yet is uh, was the news that came out here, I guess, so pushing two weeks ago now uh, with John Gilbert and Chancellor or interim Chancellor, Dr. Ron Mitchelson. They have to make that difficult decision to eliminate four sports. And uh, so with that being the case, um, actually, we saw some news today uh, that Bowling Green, uh, the supporters of that, Falcons baseball program, they were able to have one and a half million dollars pledged over a three year period and they made that decision to bring the program back. Yeah. Well, you know, if you want to pay to come to my party, I'll let you back in a lot of times. So um, I know the swimming and diving teams, this has been interesting, you know. I think when you just looked at it from a logistical money only standpoint, it was the right move, right? You, you have a facility that needs upgrading, which is going to cost you a lot of money. Um, you've got not a lot of revenue coming in. People don't go pay to watch swimming. And so I think from the, from the logistical numbers early on, you thought, okay, I get that. But I think they discounted the number of donors of the pirate club that are swimmers, the people who give back to the program. I think you've got to start looking at some of these sports as, okay, when these people get done playing, what are they doing for ECU after that? And I think there's some sports that do better than others on that. And I think swimming and diving was one of those when they, looking back at it a little bit, they're like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should have rethought this one a little bit more. And, and where can we make up the difference? Tennis is another one. Tennis does not cost a whole lot. And so, uh, what do you get back from tennis? You get some money from sending your tennis players. Do you get it back from some of the, so I just think when sometimes you have to step back and look at the overall picture, not just the immediate, uh, dollars and cents, but the long-term stuff of your of your pirate club and who's giving back and who's donating, who goes on to have successful um, professional careers, and I'm talking in the business world, that make those big salaries that want to give back yeah. to their school afterwards. I think that's part of the equation, I think, when you start cutting these programs you have to look at. And good for Bowling Green to raise that money because baseball is an expensive sport that only gets 11 and a half scholarships. And um, if you're in the SEC, you make some money. When you're at ECU, you make a little money, but not enough to break even yet. You want to get that program to that point, but it's probably still a ways from getting there. But uh, when you're a northern school and you're not getting any kind of crowds in February and March, you've got to find other ways to generate that revenue. And if you can get private donors to do it, great. One of my best friends is the tennis coach at, JM, at JMU, and he had to go through that. They wanted to cut his program. He ended up going non-scholarship for a couple of years just to save the program till they got back solvent again, and then he was able to get his scholarships back. So instead of Deep sixing the program, he saved it by basically being a walk-on program, and um, that's how they got through that. And so everybody's got these challenges right now, and I wonder if ECU is is rethinking uh, the swimming thing because there are they're trying to generate the same kind of money um, that that Bowling Green is doing. And so if they do that, if they're able to raise that money, how does the university react? And uh, by the way, tomorrow night, shameless plug here, Brian. Tomorrow night, right on the show, eight o'clock tomorrow night, we're going to have. Uh, Former coach Rick Kobe, ECU Hall of Famer, and some swimmers on tomorrow night to talk about that very thing because uh, I've always loved the program, but I've been, it's a big story raising, uh, they actually have pledged 400,000, uh, so far. And, uh, let's see how much that's the one question they want to be answered by, uh, John Gilbert. And I think it's a fair question is how much money do we have to raise to save the program? And ask Coach Gilbert, right? How many of these guys, I, I don't know if they would know the numbers, but how many of his former swimmers through the years, give back pretty good 
checks every year to the pirate club and and now we're mad and may not be doing that i mean you know those are part of the equations he may or may not know but i think the swimming alumni we're starting to find out is uh has been pretty good to ecu financially through the years well i was going to make a comment on the pirate club day real fast the pirate club's a hot mess anyway you you got around five thousand members at this point we should be it should be twice that Uh, we we don't have anybody running the thing with apologies to ryan robinson ryan's got too many uh too many, too many, uh, too many cookies in the oven. He's doing too many things at one time. He shouldn't be trying to run the fire club. Um, yeah. we, we need some damn leadership in the fire club with some ECU blood. I'd love to know if somebody like George Koontz would be interested in, in the job. Boy, George has got a pretty good wow. thing going on out in the Midwest right now. Um, yeah. but I, I agree. I, I think ECU is a different animal, right? Uh, you have to have people who know the university running the university. And I know it's not that simple. I know board of trustees and bringing in different people. But, man, if you bring in people that know ECU and know the culture, that place would run a whole lot better because you understand the challenges that you're up against. And bringing in people from other states, other places who want to try and run it like they did other places just doesn't work here because you're up against so many other challenges. And so you need people who understand uh, not only the challenges but understand the alumni that understand the fan base and know how to, to milk them. And, and also, and then you get coaching staffs in here who, who do the same thing. Eastern North Carolina is athletically a rich place that besides football has been under-recruited basketball-wise for many years. And so you want people who come in here and kind of embrace East Carolina and Eastern Carolina at the same time to try and make them work together. Because I, I think you're right. We, there's been too many people who come in here who just don't understand the culture and how it works. And, and that's why, ECU is where it is right now, at least financially. And one of the reps, by the way, guys, John Rouse, that I know personally who loves the podcast and listens to us, uh, that I talked to, talked to him a week ago. He actually is a Greenville guy who went to East Carolina. So he is a local guy. You got to get more guys. I tell you the rumor that uh, a lot of people are putting on what message boards. Our good friend, hoistacolors.net with Steven Igo. Uh, Brian was uh, roughing McNeil, getting somebody like him to come in, um, that everybody loves him. And he has, obviously, being a football coach and alum, we played at East Carolina, getting a guy like him that can go in a room and raise a lot of money for you. Right, get him back in the fold. And he's a guy who who likes being back here. And, and you know, how many times have we seen that with ECU? You, you, it happens on our TV station. You alienate people who want to be at a place. Um, when Ruffin McNeil was let go, I always equated it to, you have someone who was going to be loyal and stay with you. may not have been – uh, your best looking spouse in the world, the supermodel moves in next door and you think you have a shot, but you don't have a shot. You know, learn to be loyal to those who uh, bleed your same colors. And Ruffin McNeil would be a great guy to get back in the fold. He can he owns a room. Right. We all know he is makes everybody feel special in a room when he's in the right mood. And so I don't know how good he'd be at asking for money, but I know you could get him up there and he would get people who want to run through a wall and would definitely be willing to open their wallet and, and pocketbook a little bit to try and be a part of what he's selling. Yeah, I was told by somebody, uh, I don't want to say who it was, but somebody you know, Brian, uh, that uh, he uh, he wasn't, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't think Ruffin would be interested in that kind of position, that Ruffin's not done coaching. Yeah, I, I've heard that too, and, and Ruff's always yeah. – been a co- and I'd love to see him back here. I don't know. He said at one point when he went to Virginia, he didn't want to be a head coach again. Um, I- I'm curious well, he- where he will land. I know he likes being on the East Coast and uh, dealing with the family stuff, but but I've heard that too. I've heard that coaching is still in his blood. Uh, it's just a matter of the right fit for him at this point. But look, you never know unless you pitch it to him, right? You, you never know. 
money always talks and, and uh, situations always talk. People just want to be happy. Could be a situation where you can sell him some happiness. Maybe he does it. But I think coaching is probably where he still wants to give it one more shot. No doubt. I was, uh, what I was getting at is his dad being, uh, I'm not talking about long term, even for him, even if he's here for two or three years for the yeah, pirate club yeah. and gets it back, the numbers way back up. Then yeah, just yeah. like what we we're talking about earlier with Mike Houston, if he's here for a handful of years talking about coach Houston and he gets the program better, so be it. If he goes to another school, same thing with Ruffin McNeil. If he was the head of the pirate club for a couple of years, two or three years, when while his dad is sick and he would have a, a job locally and could travel back and forth from, you know, Clayton or and Greenville from time to time. I mean, whatever the case may be, we, we've got a lot of, uh, I know we could talk all night, Brian, uh, about, uh, the things with the press box. We've got, it's, uh, you know, Kyle gives me a hard time, but I, uh, talk about this, Brian. Don't you think our meals, pregame meals are, are, are great? He won't come up to the press box. I'm trying to get him up to no the press either. box. No, I don't know. So, no. so, you know, if, if you've seen the full shape of my body, you know, I am a food connoisseur and, um, I, I, I always give a little pregame food report on pirate radio, uh, the press box meals. And I always grade them like, you know, one double A, division one, power five, all those stuff. And I'll be honest, it's, it's ECU can be a little schizophrenic with its pregame meals. There's times, there's times they do some power five conference meals. There's times it's division two, you know, and you never know what you're going to get week to week. But having said that, this fat guy has never turned down a free press box meal in his life. I eat whatever's set in front of me, and I'm happy about it because it's not coming out of my wallet. I have no interest. <laughs> he tries to get me to go up every game. I have no interest. I'm decked out in my pirate gear. I'm not interested in going up there and being dressed in my sports objective stuff and being neutral. No, 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 you don't understand. Half the people in the press box are dressed in their pirate gear and are not neutral. So you, you okay, fit well, right in. Well, okay. Uh, and, and then – uh. I remember at Media Day, uh, Football Media Day, there was the little – it was catered, and Dave made sure to get his meal before we started. I, I, he, he's like you. He's yeah. going to take full advantage. You know, I'm a big dude, not eating, not eating a damn thing. Yeah, well, you know, someone learned a long, long time before any of us were even thought of that if you want the media to show up and cover your event, you have to give them some incentive. Uh, used to be back in the days when it wasn't frowned upon, liquor, beer would be handed out. Uh, but always – but always food has always been the staple at major league games, uh, professional games, college games, now even some high school games. The food is out to attract the press, kind of like, uh, you know, a moth to a light. You put it out there, the media will show up. Now, we can't guarantee that they'll do a good job covering it, but you'll get people there if you feed them. Uh, speaking of covering, I, I wanted to ask you before we let you go, you've been way – I didn't expect you to be this generous for your time, so thank you very much, my friend, especially on vacation can you give us a funny story covering the Pirates or maybe uh, covering high school games, something that went wrong or a funny story that you'd have? I'd love to hear. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I've had all sorts of vehicle problems through the years. I, You know, last year, right after uh, – I'm trying to think when it was, or was it two years ago? Uh, I, you know, shooting a high school game, trying to shoot three of them long distance, had a flat tire, pulled over in somebody's lawn. Um, didn't know where the spare tire was, got eaten up by mosquitoes, but still made my third game. Um, I've had, I've run out of gas before. I've, my very first year, I was covering New Bern at Rose, and I've never had this happen to me before. Game is over. I got about an hour to drive back to our studio in New Bern. I got, you know, it's about 9.30 at that point, so I got plenty of time. I jump into the car, and I go to put the key in the ignition, and the key snaps going into the ignition. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Now, how do you... 
You can change a tire. You can do some other things. You can't make a key up on the fly. So I had to go flying back over to the Newburn crowd and find a parent who was driving back. And my God, I picked the wrong guy. He was driving like five miles an hour under the speed limit. He wanted to take, didn't want to take the shortcut. He took the long way around. We got it. I got back in plenty of time. Had to go back and get the car the next day. But I've had some of those issues. I've had, you know, forgot batteries and you got to plug in weird spots or beg, borrow and steal. Uh, I'm always a guy that says, don't tell me why you can't show me how you can. And so I've had to find a lot of ways of how we can do stuff through the years to try and get the best product on the air. But there's a ton of them. I've got, I've been around this game long enough. I've got plenty of stories and uh, maybe next time back on, I'll think of a few more, but I've, I've, I've had a fun time in the almost 30 years covering sports. Uh, I've had a lot of really cool moments. Quick high school football question before we let you go. Yeah. Uh, best atmosphere for, for high school football in North Carolina and best rivalry in Eastern North Carolina and best rivalry game in Eastern North Carolina. Yeah. Um, you put a guy on the spot here when he's covering. Well, you know, Havelock and uh, Havelock and Newburn are almost both my answers for both. And I, and I got to think about this a little bit more because we cover almost 50 schools. But when Havelock and Newburn are playing and they have the quality of players that they have, that they've had. There, that's no better football to watch than when those two are playing at a high level. Now, Newburn was down the last couple of years, but are coming back up and they're going to be really good the next couple of years and Havelock's always going to be good. Uh, but when New, when Newburn's clicking, th- their crowds are great. When Havelock is always has good crowds, Southwest Onslow is such a fun place. The, the noisemakers, the, the cowbells they have going, uh, East Duplin's got Wallace Rose Hill. Wallace Rose Hill is oh, yeah. the number one atmosphere place because it's so dang small. They play at Legion Field. You probably can't fit more than 500 people in there, but it feels like 5,000. They're on top of the field. They're ringing the end zone. There's no room in the back of the end zone uh, where the crowd is. And when that place is hopping, the dogs are barking. Best atmosphere that I have covered on a consistent basis, Legion Stadium, Wallace Rose Hill. But Craven County, not far behind. They just don't have the, the intimate facilities. All right. And uh, can you tell, I know you're on vacation now, but can you tell fans as far as how they can watch you and social media was? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, we're on WCTI, the ABC affiliate uh, in Eastern North Carolina, Channel 12. We're also on Fox Eastern Carolina. I'm that one idiot who uh, does both, anchors both news and sports and couldn't, I started hopping over the fence and, and got caught and now I got a leg on each side and can't figure out how to, how to get off of it. And uh, I've been doing that for 13 years. Social media, I'm on Facebook, Brian North WCTI, and Twitter, Brian North 4, at Brian North 4. Uh, like to do some good stuff on Twitter. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exotic. I'm not crazy. I don't say a lot of stupid, I say stupid things, but not, a, I don't try to say stupid things on Twitter. I just, I'm there for scores, insight, pass things on. Um, I'm, I'm a kind of a boring social media guy, but you'll learn a few things occasionally if you follow me. Brian, if you add weather to your list, Dave will get this reference. You could be a modern-day Jim Woods. I knew I was going to say that. <laughs> Legend. Look, I've tried. If I could do it all over again, I'd be a weatherman. Those guys work about 25, hour, 25 hours a week, wrong more than half the time, and still make the most money in the building, and they know sports better than me because they actually have time to watch it. <laughs> and now that you mentioned that, when we have time again, I'd love to get some Skip Waters stories from you. Oh, got a million oh, yeah. of them. Got a million yeah. of them. A great guy, man. We still, that guy's a legend. We still miss him every day for his unique personality. I know, you know, he was, uh, he could get his fair share of criticism, but, uh, yeah, right. next time we talk, I've got a ton of skip water stories that I can tell. And then I got a bunch more I can tell you off the air when nobody's watching. 
Have you ever heard Hurricane Clemens, man? It just it just ain't the same now that Skip's gone. It just it's different. That guy just yeah, had, sure. he had communication skills like no other. No. no doubt. Brian, thanks, man. I appreciate you so much. Enjoy your time with your wife and the toddler. And uh, hopefully you. she won't be too much of holy terror for you. Oh, man. And, I'm telling and you. We'll, we'll see you hopefully in August covering the games, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. Maybe if this COVID hair, I might do the comb over. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I can cover that bald spot in the back pretty quick if I keep letting this thing go. And so we'll see <laughs> what kind of the bar open, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Have guys. Good really buddy. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. All right. All right bye-bye. See you later. All right, Brian North there. Appreciate him very much from uh, Channel Seven and I'm uh, Channel Twelve. I'm sorry, my gosh. Uh, yeah, wow. Where where am I there? I lost my train of thought there for a second. Channel Twelve, WCTI in Newburgh. I know where it is. Billy Billy Weaver, Channel Seven, and of course Brian Bailey, Channel Nine, WNCT. So uh, anyway, I was having a good night, and there one little slip I saw it takes. We're almost out of time, and almost made it through the broadcast without at least an obvious mistake. So. Um, Kyle, you're looking good with the sunglasses. Thanks. Looking good. You're awesome. And, uh, Bubba's, by the way, you and I are the That's poor boys. Double look. Hey, you and I are the poor boys while Bubba's driving back from the beach house. He's driving yeah. to the rich guy from the yeah. beach house. Again, uh, viewers, that is not my beach house. That's the in-laws beach house. But, uh, you know, I mentioned that with Bowling Green. Some other things I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you guys noticed in the last couple of days on, the, the conference front, not, not the American, but uh, with the Mountain West, uh, Brett McMurphy reported this, that the, the baseball tournament, uh, with their women's soccer uh, postseason tournament, and then also men's and women's tennis, those four tournaments will not be played uh, next year. And then also in Conference USA, uh, their men's and women's basketball tournaments, like a lot of folks, are, they're going to be eight teams instead of 12. Uh, so it'll be kind of like the old Bubba's a robot. All yeah, he's in a great, yeah. he's in a yeah, great Bubba town right now. <laughs> Come on, Willie got to Mr. Bubba Roboto. I don't know. What was the last um, thing? What was the last, thing? What was the last thing you guys heard? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you got me now. Yeah, we got you now. Yeah, the last thing we heard was. Mm-hmm. Got. It. Okay. <laughs> we see now why you've been on mute on the whole time, but Kyle. <laughs> yeah, oh I, th- I think Bubba's. I think Bubba's trying to say Conference is going to play uh, uh, eight eight teams in their men's and women's conference basketball tournaments instead of twelve. Uh, yeah. Bubba, maybe we can hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying about Conference USA. And then um, if you did not hear what I was saying about the Mountain West Conference, the, the baseball tournament, the w- women's soccer, men's and women's tennis, those four tournaments will not yeah. be played. And, and then today, uh, Mike Houston, with everything that's going on in our world right now with uh, George Floyd and, and uh, protests, rioting, and all, all those things, um, Mike Houston said he had had excellent back-to-back meetings with the leadership council today and then also a tremendous team meeting uh, just and he just said uh, reiterated on social media how our guys view one another and uh, when you have a team of 100 plus guys from all kinds of different backgrounds uh, the way a football team is even more so than other teams uh, obviously that team chemistry is important um, but he said with the way our guys view one another and treat each other that our team chemistry is certainly um, the best it's been since he's 
uh, taking over and getting to where it needs to be in order for us to be successful. And they, he's just extremely proud to be their coach. It's good to hear. Um, without getting, uh, don't want to get into this and get political or I don't even guess it's political, but just don't want to get into it on here. Uh, but I do want to, want to say a quick, uh, Shout out to the good people of Kenson and Lenore County and me being a, well, I'm on the Green County side of Lake Grange, but right by Lenore County, I work in Kenston. And uh protest yesterday, completely peaceful. There was a lot of worry, a lot of rumors that it was going to be violent. Uh, a lot of a lot of precautions were taken, but it had it actually ended in song and prayer. So uh, very proud of the people of Kenston. And uh guys, if it can be done there, it can be done anywhere. Yeah, and uh, and again, what's this a shame is there's a lot of good people. Kyle, you and I were talking about there's a lot of good people that are protesting, and that's uh, it makes you proud to be American to see people of all races, people all coming together to to protest and demonstrate. That's perfectly fine. What's happening is a lot of times, like in Greenville and uh, Raleigh over the weekend, which was awful, is oh, there's oh, people man. there are people coming in that don't even live here that are paid to protest and paid to loot, and let's call it what it is, stealing and vandalizing. Stop saying looting, because looting is just a nice word. It's stealing. It's terrible. Yeah, and we have uh, we actually have African-American businesses that have been destroyed in Raleigh, for example, and a lot of innocent people. Think about COVID and what they went through with all that mess, and then you have this back-to-back. And so uh, we want swift justice. We know somebody personally that is related to to um to george floyd and we feel bad for him and his family and uh we're thinking about that we want swift justice but we're not out there and there's a lot of people out there that are protesting that are good people and then you have the few bad people who are are doing bad things so that's the one thing that i will say is that uh the family i know um is hurting right now and the last thing that we want for them is to have to deal with all this uh side things that are going on um that is not necessary and then people politicizing um, things and all, and then we have situations on. So, uh, and let me say this too. Um, Kyle, I was going to say this. I know something personally that happened. People, if you've got to understand that if you're on social media, stop saying hurtful things. Um, some people get caught up in the moment and they don't mean, some people mean whether they say they're wrong, but there are a lot of people that just type things and they don't realize that they can hurt themselves and a lot of things and, uh, they can put gasoline to the fire. I hate to use that cliche. Um, but it, it's a, it's a terrible situation and we've already had with the COVID situation. I think people are saying that there are people that are very hurt because there's one in five people right now that don't have a job. Um, the unemployment's very high because of COVID. Uh, people have gotten COVID that we know of. Uh, there's been a lot of stress that's been going on to begin with before, uh, this happened with George Floyd. So, uh, I think that there's a, even through bad times, we can actually see good things happening. Like you were talking about with Kinston. Uh, I haven't heard tonight, but uh, my hometown of Durham actually has had, believe it or not, peaceful protests. I don't know about today. I haven't been able to, we've been preparing for the show, so I haven't seen anything um, that if it has happened. But anyway, hopefully we can get through this and uh, I'm hoping that we don't have to go to extreme measures to bring back peace. That's what I'm praying for is let's just have peace. People need to breathe. We've had a lot of stressful times. And uh, let's get through this uh, safely for sure. No, absolutely. And uh, protest all you want. Uh, there, there's certainly reason to be angry. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to get into it, but you did. So 
uh, you know, the police that we definitely need police reform, and uh, I believe that one hundred percent. There's a lot of there's a lot of good cops. There's a lot of bad cops, and and uh, we definitely, uh, you know, I think I think unfortunately, um, some people get desensitized at times, and uh, you got to realize, you know, everybody you deal with needs to be treated fairly, and uh, regardless of race, color, or creed, and you know, it shouldn't have to be said. It should, it should just be how you live your life. Um, and yeah. uh, black lives do matter. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's come together instead of fighting and, and, and ripping communities apart. And uh, by the way, guys, before I forget, uh, it's our first broadcast. Uh, but on Monday, we lost the legendary Pat Dye. And I want to send a shout out to Pat Jr. and all the teammates, uh the team, the, not only the family of Pat Dye, but his family at East Carolina. There's a lot of teammates uh, that uh, teams that he had over the years, 74 to 79 at East Carolina. And, of course, early 80s, he had a good run there at Auburn. We're thinking about all those great folks uh, that are, have lost. We've lost a great coach and one that came on this podcast and and uh, was awesome. And so we're going to miss him very much. We're going to do a tribute show to him very soon, most likely next week. We're working on that right now. And speaking of a big show tomorrow night, guys, we've got a huge show right here, 8 o'clock tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Eastern time, where uh, one of the big stories that's uh, been in East Carolina certainly has been the cutting of four sports, men's and women's tennis and men's and women's swimming. We're going to have the folks that are trying to save the program for uh, swimming. We're going to have former, uh, he's a Hall of Famer, former coach at East Carolina, Rick Kobe. He coached for 35 years at East Carolina. He's going to be with us. And a lot of uh, men's and women's swimmers, uh, they're coming on. They're going to talk about that very thing about saving the program. And that's going to be tomorrow night, Wednesday night right here. We'll have trivia, ECU trivia on Friday night at 7 o'clock. So we got a lot of great programming, right, Bubba? All right, Dave. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we lost. Never mind. We'll have to. We'll have to get you next time, my friend. It's uh, it's really bad. Uh, so anyway, do you have any final thoughts, Kyle? Before we go, nah, man. Just uh, look forward to talking to Rick Covey tomorrow evening about the swim and dive team. And uh, you know, I think people. I do say. I will say this: people. Some people want to vilify John Gilbert. Uh, I think that needs to stop. Um, but if, if they're gonna put up the money, uh, there does need to be a number stated, and it's going to be interesting to see now. Uh, with Bowling Green, um, bringing back baseball, it kind of sets a precedent and, uh, be interesting to see if that puts, uh, pressure on, uh, on Gilbert and, uh, if there is a number that, uh, will, will, will be enough to get the swim team back. Yeah, UAB brought back football and, uh, they corrected their mistake. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if that's the case for, uh, uh, sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. It's my point. I'm not saying I know that's a revenue sport versus non-revenue sport. I'm just saying that more people cared about football at UAB than people realized the administration at that time. All right. So appreciate uh, Brian North from WCTI TV 12 and Newburn. Appreciate him very much. Thank you, Kyle, very much. Thank you, Bubba. On the road back, please drive safely. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Good night. Go Pirates. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.